Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy, and it is good to be with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this uh, podcast. Uh, As I speak, I'm actually in Las Vegas uh, on vacation with Laura and had a great time to visit uh, our grandsons and uh, uh, see our our daughter, uh, Kathleen, and and son-in-law, John, and uh, Unfortunately, our daughter Carol, although recovering, is um, uh, recovering from uh, COVID and she had gotten the virus. Uh, fortunately, she's young, she's strong, and she is healing. She is doing well. And so that is always a blessing and an encouragement. So uh, I always like to record these early um, in advance to give Jonathan, who is amazingly busy with uh, with Kim and his two girls and going for his master's degree in uh, uh, in uh, uh, in computer technology and staying busy with being a programmer for Costco and all the different things that he does. I he, he I think he's the busiest man on the planet. So I always like to get content to him early enough so uh, he has an opportunity in the midst of his whirlwind life to make sure everything gets um, uh, cleaned up and um, uh, published and uh, on, on air for you to listen to. Uh, so anyway, I'm here in Las Vegas this week and it's been a great week, and and uh, we started out this week, Laura and I did, with just enjoying each other and our friendship and our recovery, uh, and and our marriage and all the things that that brings. And if you ever want to understand the depth and the quality of personal recovery, apply it to your personal relationship or relationships, and and watch the same principles that we use in learning how to live one day at a time. Uh, because really, it is a relationship, right? Um, we have a relationship with self. And because we can successfully relate to self, we have an opportunity to relate to others. And a lot of that goes back to what Max taught me after I came back from my relapse. Uh, as many of you know, um, came back to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous April 25th of 1986. And Max, who was my sponsor at the time, said, let's get on our hands and knees and we're going to do the third step prayer and we're going to get moving forward once you decide that this is a program that you want to move forward with. It was pretty obvious that I needed Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, here I was, homeless, um, uh, a, a disastrous second marriage. Uh, no one in my family dared talk to me or associate with me. Uh, I had abandoned uh, everyone that was important to me or they were smart enough to abandon me. And yet it was difficult for me to say or be willing to do the things necessary in terms of want, right? Want is very important. And maybe I'll explore this in a podcast in more depth later. Um uh, 
but everyone needs something. And so we might do something short term out of that want and that sense of urgency and that pain that we're feeling. But I've often said that there's nothing more dangerous in terms of a person of addiction with a little physical sobriety. Because what happens, we, we all get our physical sobriety based on need. We're just afraid to drink. We're afraid to use. We're afraid to lose our kids. We're afraid we're going to go back to jail. All the things that motivate us initially to say, I'm going to do this. But what happens when the need isn't as pressing? What happens? Most of us revert back to the previous behavior because we don't feel that emotional compulsion, uh, compulsion or we don't have that component uh, or that fear uh, hanging over our head. Therefore, if it's not something we want, we likely will not pursue it. And that is human nature 101. And so, you know, wanting it became paramount and, and critical foundationally to my personal recovery. And Max taught me, taught me that. And so coming back to Las Vegas and enjoying this time, uh, exploring the roots of where I learned that what I wanted was more important than what I needed because pursuing something based on want will determine. But once I understood that about myself, it then allowed me to begin having, building, restoring successful uh, relationships. I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to last week's uh, podcast or not, uh, but the podcasts were stressors of life, and I got a lot of positive comments on that. Thank you for your feedback. And then Fridays was experience, strength, and hope, which is really our message, right? Uh, the podcasts or blogs from last week, Wednesday and Thursday, were to escape the inescapable, and then Thursday's blog was Victim No More. So if you haven't had a chance to, to listen or re-listen or really absorb last week's content, please go ahead and do so. Um, you know, this week, uh, I want to talk about fear and our response to it. Um, so fear versus soundness. It's interesting because that's been coming up in my feed a lot. Uh, fear is forget everything and run, as you've heard, or it is aptly titled false evidence appearing real. Fear is just one of those things that can really set us sideways. And for those of us who are God-centered, higher power-centered, we have to understand that fear isn't consistent with the relationship that God wants us to have in our spirit. And you, you likely have an, equi an equivalent verse or message or passage in your uh, spiritual realm. However, uh, as a Christian in the Bible, in Second James, uh, 
verse one, uh, chapter one, verse seven, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we're not given that through our higher power. And again, you probably have an equivalent uh, uh, suggestion or verse in your spiritual walk and I and I reference you to refer to that so you have a full understanding of of what this means uh, but we're not given it's it's not our higher powers intention it's not God's intention for us to have a spirit which is internal right to not have that internal feeling of fear but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. I think a sound mind comes as a result of, or, or the, the contrast to fear. Because fear, for the most part, is an emotion. Whereas a sound mind is more rational. And I know that because I was afraid of things that weren't there. I was afraid of things that weren't said. I was afraid of things that had no evidence to substantiate or be convicted of. And I know this because I was always afraid, I had a fear that you would find me out. I really did. I had a fear that somewhere along the line, you were going to figure me out and then you were going to leave me or diminish our relationship. Something would happen because I had this fear, this feeling, this notion that I was not good enough. It was really based on no evidence. There was no sound mind. There was nothing that could convict me. Matter of fact, you tried to tell me the contrary. You tried to tell me that I had value. You tried to tell me that I had something to offer. You tried to tell me that I was just fine the way I was. I tell people often, and this is no... This is no slight on my first two wives or anyone else in my life whatsoever. This is not a, this is not a, um, uh, a slight on them in any way whatsoever because I had some wonderful people try to care for me wonderfully. But it goes to the core of how sad my life was even early on in recovery. Laura, and we've been together over 32 years now, most of you know that, Laura was the first person whereby I was convinced she cared for me for who I was. Now, remember, I met Laura two and a half years into my recovery. So two and a half years in my recovery I still wasn't convinced. I still had that underlying notion 
that I wasn't going to measure up. And fortunately, recovery got me moving in that direction to understand my value and to who I was and not live in that emotion of rejection. But here I was, at this time, I was 34 and a half years old, almost 35 years old, 35-year-old man who had countless people, legitimate caring people, tried to convince me that I was worth caring for, and yet it wasn't until my interpersonal relationship, intimate relationship with Laura on all levels that I thought that I was worth caring for, that I was worth loving. Fear is just one of those things that the only good thing fear does, not tangible fear where I know if I step out in front of a, a bus, I'm going to get hit or, or killed or hurt or killed or, or not to stick my hand in, you know, in a hot fryer chasing after something. Um, obviously, those things will, will harm me or, or you know, where I would unnecessarily put myself in danger. Uh, it's not that kind of fear. Fear is, as defined, it's a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid. And you know what my fear was? My fear was that you were going to find me out and you were subsequently going to leave me. And number one, I would be physically alone. But you leaving confirmed the fact that I was right, that I don't have value. Now, as paradoxical as it could seem, as it would seem, because again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an emotion that's usually based on an imbalance, I would want to have power. I would leave people before they would leave me. You know what I'm talking about? Because I, I wanted to have that control. I wanted it to be on my terms because I had no other power. So the power to destroy or dissolve was mine and mine alone. And I wasn't going to allow you to take it from me. That adage, that, that mentality of I'll, sh I'll show you, I'll kill me. And so consequently, my fear, my emotion that was contrary to the spirit that God had intended for me was, was to push you away before you left. And it actually created a more lonely state for me. It created a, a concern or an anxiety in me that I was never going to get better. So it's really interesting coming back to Las Vegas and feeling that difference. I lived here from 1980 to 1987, and I got clean and sober in on April 25th of 1986 um, for my last time. I, again, I came in February 19th of 1986 into treatment, and I had relapsed, as so many of you have heard my story. 
so I was here uh, six years on this accelerated roller coaster to the bottom of the pit when I crashed and burned and came into recovery. So I have a, a full remembrance of what it was like being at the bottom. And ironically, Las Vegas was my, my entrance back to the top. Isn't that strange? A place that is known as Sin City, where it is gambling, debacle, anything you want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, especially with the alcohol, especially with the drugs, for me anyway, um, that I would get clean and sober here. Fortunately, the other side of the Las Vegas coin is goodness, is confidence, is love, it is security, it is family. It was all the things that I couldn't see anywhere else that may be known for those things where I found the negative side as well to come to Las Vegas that is formally known as anything but recovery of wellness, right? That, that adage, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I'm so glad that what happened to me in Vegas didn't stay in Las Vegas because after a year and a half of being clean and sober, I was able, as I was beginning to develop a sound mind, I was able to, to leave and pursue a career and, and subsequently uh, meet Laura and have all the other things restored uh, in my life and all the new things that I wanted to, to be that I was a failure at before were then brought to me. So moving from that position of fear, I go to that sound mind. Now, obviously, the mind is pretty easily defined. The mind is where I think, where I process, where I make intellectual decisions that may or may not be in harmony with the emotion that I am feeling. One of the Again, uh, the, one of the greatest examples of that, and I've referred to it in, in last week's podcast, was Father Martin in talking about the formula uh, intellect over emotion or mind over emotion or sound judgment over emotion. That's how we normally operate. But when you add one of the elements, uh, in this case, alcohol and drugs, or it can be any of the area of halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, anything that would distract me from that intellect flips the formula to now I'm operating emotion over intellect. And until I can make a commitment and move back toward that soundness of mind, I'm going to stay emotional or in this case, fear-based. I love the definition uh, here of sound. It is a substantial or enduring character. Substantial means it has substance. There's something to it. And not just a little bit, but it is substantial, not only in quantity, 
but in quality. So there's not only depth, but there is substantial depth or enduring, something that sticks with you, endurance. It lasts. It's not fleeting. That's what enduring means. It, it weathers the storm. It goes the course. So substantial character or enduring character is the mind that I want to have, is the mind that I become. It means competent, able to do, to complete. Sensible, it, it makes sense, right? Everything, everything makes sense on paper. When you write it down, when you look at it, when you break it down, it is sensible. It makes sense. Someone would look and listen to me and say, well, that makes sense. I can see why you would feel that way or you would do that thing, whereas in the past it would be, <laughs> is something wrong with you? Because that makes no sense whatsoever, right? But now, because we operating from a sense of a sound mind, that makes sense. Someone looks at our life and says, wow, that makes sense, Nick. I can see why you would do this or you would do that. You must have some substantial character to be able to do that, right? Isn't that great? I love this next word, valid. Valid. That means it can be proven. It has validity. There's something behind it. So not only do you hear me say it, and therefore it makes sense, but it is valid. It can be substantiated. It means also strong, secure, reliable. It follows a systematic pattern without any apparent defect in logic. <laughs> Who would think that I would be that person? I'm going to read that again. This is pretty great. And I hope you're moving in that direction if you're not there already. Following in a systematic pattern. You know, I love a systematic pattern. Following a system, following something that's tried and true. That's the plan of recovery. It follows a system. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our systematic pattern. I mean, that's essentially what it's saying. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path our pattern. And it's not just by happenstance. It's very systematic. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. And here's why I know I have to do them in order. This is what makes it systematic. Instead of being bulleted, which could indicate I can do them wherever I want, right? When I look at something's bulleted, I sort of treat it like a buffet in terms of the order I can do things in. I'll always want to do all the things to one degree or another, but the order in which I do them in, they didn't think enough to order them, therefore I don't need to do them in any particular order. That's my logic anyway. I don't discount any of them, but with the 12 steps, they put them in order to be done in order. It's very difficult for me to admit my faults to God, to myself, and to another human being unless I understand what those faults are that start in step one. 
or, or continue on and in fullness in step four. Unless I admitted I was powerless over alcohol and my life had become unmanageable, why would I ever think that I have defects of character if I have power, if there is no admission of, of addiction, right? If I look at step two, why would I ever want to do step two if I haven't done step one? Why would I want a restoration to sanity? Well, because my pattern of living has indicated that I'm doing the same things over and over again. That's the unmanageability and, and, and expecting a different result. If I don't do step 11, where I'm sought through prayer and meditation, and then I get the message from God, and then I, I have the power to go do it, why would I do step 12, which is now go do it? As a result of the spiritual awakening I've had in the previous steps and the encouragement that I get in 11, I, step 12 wouldn't mean anything. So I do them in order for a specific reason because each one builds upon the other. There is a systematic pattern without any apparent defect in logic. The steps always make sense. Recovery, when done properly, always makes sense. That's why so many people that I don't know, like Laura's not in recovery, but my matter of living, by the way, I'm very predictable, I'm very systematic, and she likes that. It brings great stability to our relationship. So, but it, it is good to have that because people who aren't in the program, they'll look at me and they'll think of me, well, Robert's a little eccentric in this area and that area, but I can see the overall totality of his life and his relationships, what he does, why he does it, his normal course of living, it makes sense. There must be a pattern. Or when I tell them, yes, this is what I do and this is how I am, they think, wow, that's very profound. That makes a lot of sense. Not because I do it, not because I'm alcoholic, but everyone should have a way of living that demands rigorous honesty, right? I mean, what's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing because it's a systematic pattern that indicates a logical way of living. So I have my choice. I can live in that fear that wasn't intended me to live in and be waiting for the other shoe to drop, be waiting to be found out, to wonder why I'm not quite good enough to live in this life I'm living, or I can decide that that is not what God had for me. God has for me a power and of love and of a sound mind. So my challenge to you today is be of sound mind. Reject fear as not being for you. If you have a relationship with God, then fear is contrary to what he wants for you in your spirit. God wants us, just like we are sure that God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. I know that I am not given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why not pursue what was intended for me to have? It doesn't make sense for me to pursue something that's not mine. Does it for you? 
<laughs> of course not. So if we're not pursuing that, we need to be pursuing this. So don't be in the pursuit of fear because it wasn't intended for you, but be in pursuit of a sound mind because along with it comes power and love. And isn't that a much nicer way to go through life? Hey, thank you so much for joining this podcast today. Please join me uh, at recoveryguy.org. Find me at uh, the, the Recovery Guy on Facebook. Go to recovery underscore guy on Instagram. Find the Recovery Guy in your favorite podcast channel. Find me, subscribe, comment, share. If you'd like to give to this recovery movement, you can do so through my website at Patreon. Just follow the Patreon link or go directly to patreon.com forward slash recovery guy. Give a monthly donation or if you would be more comfortable giving something one-time gift, we would appreciate that as well. Go to Venmo at Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three and you can give there. Everything that comes in goes to this Recovery Guy ministry and movement helping each person one day at a time. Again, we did not get broken apart, but we can get whole together. As always, my name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.